at the table with some men with confidence. And welcome to Men in Confidence Sharing, where we, mature men, have mature conversations. And today we're joined by two members of our crew. So we're going to say hello to Rhino. What's up, everybody? And hello to Terrence. Grand Risings, people's Grand Risings. So sophisticated. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we have a few topics on board for you today. Okay, so we're going to start off with the topic of Brittany Griner. I'm pretty sure everyone's familiar with her, what's going on in Russia, her recent sentencing, and how this is all played out in the news. So, question number one on the board for today. What are your thoughts on Brittany Griner and her legal issues in sentencing? Man, this is like crazy to me on so many different levels from what she was arrested for to how our country has responded to it. And then the sentencing that came down from Russia, it's just, it's a lot to process and a lot to take in. So I'm glad we're having this conversation because there's some meaty bits in here that we need to break down a little bit like you know for starters just the initial response to this professional athlete person of stature in our country was arrested and it was almost as if there was a hesitation to do anything to get involved there was kind of like this hiccup or stutter with uh we've got to go back we've got to go support britney and free britney and you know, I, I thought to myself, why are we hesitating? Why aren't we all over this? You know, I seem to recall an incident involving some college players having an issue in China and people were a lot more quick to respond. So what gives it? You know, but, you know, fast forward that to now we got this nine-year sentence thrown down and people in america have lost their minds like oh my god i can't believe this has happened um are y'all familiar with three strikes do you know how that works i mean nine years sounds like a long time but when you got people serving life (sighs) yeah this is I'm still trying to kind of rein all of my thoughts in on this because this is just like so many things and moving pieces going on here that uh, it's just a lot to process, man. It's a lot to process. Right. And dare I say it, well, I'm going to say it before you in the audience and my boys here say it. I am pulling the race card. It seems Dave Chappelle was right. <laughs> terrorists don't take black hostages and his point in saying that was the government won't care and I kind of feel like they don't care um, we've seen them hop on other cases pretty quickly and get the ball moving and got things done but with this it, it's, 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 it's like Terrence was saying there's some hesitation a why why is the hesitation? 
what's the deal? Uh, are we going to do something about this or not? Or are we just going to talk about it? And it seemed like all we did was just talk about it. But then there's the other side of the coin. Um, and, and we were actually kind of talking about this, kind of hit on this before we even started. Americans and other countries behaving like Americans. Things that we do here in America not going to slide in other countries. All right. Here in America, uh, like for instance, I live in Washington State. Um, weed is legal here in the state. I can actually have a joint on me when I'm pulled over and the cops can't do anything about it. They can push the issue if they want to, but for the most part, I'm not smoking it. It's unlit. It's in my pocket. You know, you can't do anything to me. It's legal, bruh. But in other countries, they don't take too kindly to their laws being broken. And I'm remembering a certain kid in Singapore about 30 years ago who found that out pretty uh, gruesomely that you can't just buy a <laughs> can of spray paint and start tagging everything. You know, he got caned and they tried to stop them from caning them. And Singapore was like, no, American or not. He came over here. He broke our laws. He pays the price. Dude got caned. <laughs> Privilege ignored. <laughs> so um, I don't know what this means for Brittany Griner. I'm sure she was given nine years. Maybe somebody somewhere in our country, in our government, can pull some strings and work out some deals and get her out of there if they care enough to do so. Um, but if not, it looks like she'll be doing nine years and her career in basketball is over. You know, sad, but it is what it is. I don't know if Tony has something to say about that. So the I think the two of you think that it's very complicated. I don't think it's very complicated at all. I think that... Okay, so before I answer my question, answer the question, let me just lay out a few things. That Brittany Griner, you know like how people say you can play the black card? Brittany Griner got like about three minority cards she can play. True story. <laughs> she can play the black the woman and the LGBT card. Like, she could throw them all in. You know, three of a kind. Bam, bam, bam. You would think that there would be a huge uproar to get her back. Not as much as you would expect from any of the minorities. I think that this is really as simple as she did something that she's used to getting away with in another country and she did it at a time when the United States and that country aren't getting along very well so now she's a pawn in a political game like her transaction or her offense really isn't important like it didn't matter what she did. They're going to use her because she has a certain amount of name recognition, a certain amount of name value, 
in order to get what they want from the United States. I think they're trying to get the release of someone. I think he's called like the Merchant of Death or something like that. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, someone with that name, I don't think we should let him out. <laughs> right? <laughs> if, if we have the Merchant of Death, I don't think that person needs to be allowed to reopen their business. <laughs> so right now, you know, it's to give you a basketball analogy, like she looking she looking like uh like Kyrie and Kevin Durant trying to get a trade out of Brooklyn, right? You know? <laughs> she thinks that she's at a certain value and the world is like, nah, you're not as valuable as you think you are. Like you're not gonna get three first round picks. <laughs> and that's but, oh, sorry go ahead. go ahead I was just gonna say that's part of the thing that makes this complicated to me is the fact that she's got like you said that close out uno hand where you just bam 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 drop the three cards and you out but the support is fickle it's kind of like you know women are kind of on both sides of this thing like well no or we are bg you know what i'm saying and same with the lgbt community and you know same with the black community it's just all kind of like everybody's kind of tap dancing around it so that's why it's complicated to me because it's like usually there's one voice that's really loud and unified and you know taking up the mantle and this time it's really not so that's been uniquely different. Victor Anatolyevich Bout. He's a Russian arms dealer. He's basically a part of Tony Stark. <laughs> he was an entrepreneur, former Soviet military translator, and he used his multiple air transport companies to smuggle weapons since the collapse of the Soviet Union from Eastern Europe to Africa and the Middle East during the 90s and the early 2000s. He is the Merchant of Death. When you said Merchant of Death, it made me think about Tony Stark. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, he said, maybe we should let this guy out. Um, I, don't, I personally don't think it'll make a difference if we do let him out or not. Because the the black market for firearms is a billion dollar industry. With, with him being locked up, guns are still being transported all around the world. You can believe that. Believe it. <laughs> so I, can... I, I would dare say I would make the trade for him and, and, and Brittany. So, so we get to give them Russian John Wick. Pretty <laughs> great. And it's funny because when you were reading off all the stats, I'm like, okay, Merchant of Death, you know, Lethal Man and all of this connection. So, what's your three point rate? You know, <laughs> how many assists you get? <laughs> what's the only point for game you, you land? He's a very com uh, valuable commodity in their eyes, apparently. So, I, look, maybe I haven't seen enough film on the guy, but something they're after, they, they want him back for a reason. 
I don't know if they want to prosecute him or maybe it's the valuable information that he, I mean, he, he holds or, or maybe it's who he is. I mean, he's a military translator, you know, um, and he has all these companies that he used to ship weapons around the world. I'm sure the guy knows something <laughs> that could be of value to, to, uh, to the Soviet Union or to whoever, to whatever party out there that wants him. He's certainly an asset on the board, so they, they're not requesting them back for nothing. Right. I don't think they will re- request him back to imprison him or to, or to do anything to him. We already got him locked up. Like he's he's already off the board. So the only reason I can think of to bring him back would be to reactivate him, to, to make him active again. Hmm. Which, which sounds bad for business, unfortunately. <laughs> Well, if I understood uh, uh, Nicholas Cage's movie um, um, message, um, it would be profitable to have him on the board because everybody be focused on him, and like magicians, all these other entities can continue to operate. <laughs> oh no, it's not us; it's him. Y'all, y'all let the merchant of death out. <laughs> Don't, no, 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 don't look at my left hand. Don't look at what it's doing. Making its deals. Passing its billions. Um, you look at the merchant of death. It's him. He's the one. <laughs> yeah. Keep your attention over here while I stab you with this one. Up. Right. Sounds right. So, she was being... She is being imprisoned for basically of the vape of marijuana. So, I guess looking back at America and Rhino State not included, is it time to federally legalize weed? Oh my goodness! I'm. I understand. I am a Christian, and I have a certain perspective on this. Um. My Christian half is saying no. But at the same time, I also understand that people are going to do what they want to do regardless of what the law says. <laughs> can't, can't stop them. Number one. Number two, why are we putting all these people in jail for, for having so much weed on them? But there's, um, we, we're, we're faced with overcrowding of prisons and, and people who belong in there at a place where they can be let out. Some of these people, I know it's sad, but they don't belong on the streets. We don't want them on the streets. Some of them. I would much rather have we be legalized and controlled in that fashion um, so long as it's not monopolized by uh, governmental entities to um, capitalize off of all the, uh, the funds you know leave it to the private industries I don't, I don't want the government um, in control of that like they are with um, other things uh, but 
I would dare say yes. And also for those people who were serving time for having had an ounce on them when they were pulled over, I want their sentences commuted. I want them out of there because this is not fair. Okay, so I absolutely agree with the whole uh, commuting of sentences for people who are serving these extravagant sentences over an ounce because this was their third strike or whatever this case may be. As far as the legalization goes, I mean, because people will do what they want to do, I'm not saying... Oh, but we just turn. I mean, because at some point somebody's gonna ask the question. Well, where does the line stop? You know, people are gonna use heroin. We're gonna start legalizing that too. I get that argument, but you know, with all things, I think you have to apply a sense of how much or how harmful or what the ramifications of these actions are gonna be. All that being said, yes, I'm in favor of legalization, and you know. They're already monitoring what can and can't be done, how much or how little people can have anyway, so right. why not? And I also kind of agree with the whole thing of not necessarily having it being a federally mandated thing because or a federally monitored because I, I, I was actually having a conversation with somebody earlier this morning and without saying it, we essentially came to the conclusion that the Fed is the biggest game in this country. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's just my two cents on it, honestly. So. Reaching back to the previous topic of Brittany Griner. One of the things that Joe Rogan said was that. Okay, so people are wanting Brittany Griner to be released for, you know, like marijuana or, you know, hemp oil or whatever you want to call it. And there's people in American prisons right now for very similar or lesser crimes. Like, why should she get to get out? Because she shoots basketball? Like, why not let these other people out? And... I somewhat understand that argument. Like, I really do believe that it's time it's time to, to let marijuana be be free to use. Mainly because it's, it's basically it costs too much money to try to stop it. Right? It, they're spending way too much money trying to limit and police it then it's worth this to me the solution is simple treat it like cigarettes you know let it out there and tax the bejesus out of it you can pay for brand new infrastructure off of this marijuana and if you look at the states if you look at the states that legalize marijuana them suckers are doing just fine economically like they, like what was it, Colorado, Seattle, right. like all all of them got a bump because they're taxing it and they're making money off of it. And I'm like, shoot, just make that sucker, make it make it legal, you know, countrywide, 
and and hit it up for taxes just like you do just like you do cigarettes just like you do alcohol uh-huh. yep you know? yeah. i was about to say i don't know what the roads are like out in seattle man but i'm tired of uh potholes all over the place that infrastructure thing really kind of resonated with me so i was gonna ask ryan what's them streets like out your way man <laughs> Oh, they suck, bro. They suck. <laughs> somebody's somebody's making that cash. Someone's making that weed cash. <laughs> and I know these drug dealers are walking around with a pocket full of cash because it's not federally legal here. It's, it's statewide is legal. Federally, right. it is illegal. So as soon as they go and deposit that money in the bank, you getting arrested for money laundering. <laughs> There's a dude that I heard of has a house full of cash. You can't put it in the bank. Because the minute he do, you're under arrest. Money laundering. <laughs> but um, there are a lot of positives <clears throat> for legalizing it in terms of the revenue and what that revenue could do. But at the end of the day is what the American government will do. Because when people see dollar signs, they, they act differently. You know, of course. Money, money changes people, as it were. You know, so, um, but hopefully, um, they can, if they want to really do something, um, if they really want to do something historic, um, legalize it, um, set the limits, make the limits known to the world. So that people aren't just helter skelter, twelve year old walking around with a blunt in his mouth. No, we're not going. We don't want that. You know, we do want a modicum of control. Um, but um, there's another revenue stream that could be used to better other things. And there's there they're also um, freeing up bed and prisons for people who deserve to be there. And notice, I'm, I'm prefacing it with people who deserve to be there because some people, they belong in prison. I know y'all don't want to hear that, but some people belong behind bars. You don't get the wrong free, all right? Because you shoot too many people, all right? <laughs> You're stabby, you know? Stabby McStabberson. No, you go to jail, all right? If you just had a joint on you when the cops pulled you over and stopped you, no, you can't come back out go ahead and enjoy your life um you know watch your step be careful don't do anything stupid let's see you said something just now that always kind of strikes me when these conversations come up because i feel like people go to an extreme like you mentioned uh regulating things because we don't want uh 12 year olds walking around with joints and and just smoking willy-nilly it always bothers me that people don't think things through in a progression. It's like, you know, we go from weeds illegal to it's federally legalized. And that automatically means that 90% of the population is just out here walking in a cloud, literally, of uh, marijuana smoke. It's like, it's not, is that what you think? Is that really how thoughts process through your mind that people are just going to, oh, well, the ban is up, so we just go, come on now. Because there's still, the people who are still against it are still going to be against it. Right. 
and I get that, but um, I have a unique perspective on this because I've had to deal with it personally. I've had to deal with it professionally. I had a guy, he was leaving work. It's my job to check him and declare to make sure he doesn't have anything he shouldn't have. The guy had weed on. And I had to let him know, hey, you can't bring this here. All right? And he wants to argue with me about whether or not it's legal. And that's not the case, bro. It's, it's not the legalization of it. We all know it's legal. But you can't bring it on the job. You can't smoke it on your lunch break. All right? You can't bring beer in here. You wouldn't drink a six-pack and then go to work, would you? Because we're a bunch, we're here around a bunch of moving parts, and if you're not together, you're going to injure yourself or someone else. Right. So that is still the case. So you've got to, if you want to smoke it, fine. Smoke it at home, um, in the safety of your home, but don't bring it to work. And that's all I'm trying to tell the guy. But he wanted to argue about me about how legal it is. And I'm like, dude, that's not the issue here. The issue is you bringing it to a workplace with a bunch of moving parts and the rules still state that you can't bring it here. You know, so there are going to be those people out there that are like, oh, it's legal now. I can do whatever I want. Take my shirt off and walk around naked and smoke it. No, you can't. You can't. Do that at home. Walk around naked in your backyard smoking weed. Don't go out in public. You can't do that. <laughs> there, there will always be somebody that's going to just lose their mind and, and, and go full bore past the boundaries. Always. I do agree with that for the most part. That whenever, whenever you're making a rule or a law, you have to take it to the extremes to see how far someone can manipulate that law. I'm not saying that that's actually going to be what you see in real life but like okay so if we if we make this legal you actually have to think ahead and be like how can someone abuse this right because someone maybe not many people but at least one someone is going to try to abuse this and try to make it work for them like if, if you don't put an age limit on it I promise you, some parent is going to let their nine-year-old <laughs> tote. Like, come here, boy. <laughs> Hit this one this. time, but a one time. <laughs> Take a look at this. <laughs> change the elevator music to welcome the jam rock. You know, just, just all the culture just changed right. <laughs> overnight. But let me let me let me stop jesting a little bit and actually ask a serious question. You know, same topic for the most part. Like, so we're talking about the possible legalization of marijuana and and, and hemp, whatever you want to call it. What do we do about the people that are already serving time just for this, not for a combination of other things, but just for? marijuana use or you know possession do we do we let them out do we reduce sentences do we 
say, okay, if you're in, you're in, but you know, the next person that, that you know, does this, you know, you, you don't get prosecuted. So what do you guys say? My initial answer is not to just release people. I, I feel like, again, we want to do this. We'd want to do something like this in a very structured and organized way, meaning you're going to have to review cases. You know, you're going to have to look at scenarios because the truth of the matter is each individual case is going to be different, you know. And, and I would want to factor in things like time served, obviously behavior, kind of like uh, when you do look at the things you look at when you go to parole somebody. I think you want to take those same kind of considerations into play here. Um, not just a mass exodus of everybody who had like who's serving a life sentence because they got busted with an ounce or whatever that you know threshold is not just saying open the floodgates because that's not necessarily the greatest idea either because again as i've heard a few times you gotta make room for stupid and you don't want to just unleash the hounds and the stupid ones get out and go back to being stupid so that would be my first thought and then from that you can also kind of structure a penalization system in a manner to where well look we've already set this precedent of releasing people based on this moving forward here's the line anything across that line and yeah, you end up back in lockup because there are people who belong in jail. Something else that I've heard here recently. So, <laughs> absolutely. And you made some very good, very valid points. And the fact of the matter is, states already have laws in place for um, repeat offenders, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, in terms of people doing time solely for the possession of drugs. Um, it's, it's like I, I agree with Terrence you know deal with it on a case by case basis you know uh, there's people that's doing life sentences for for drug possession but um, drug, drug possession in connection with armed robbery in connection with <laughs> whatever else they were doing okay well we're going to commute your drug drugs and we're going to get rid of that right you still pull a gun and rob somebody. You still... I mean, you, you don't get a free pass. Yeah, we're not just going to let you out to go do that again and go find that person. You're not trying to take revenge. No. You're still going to pay for that. Because robbery isn't legal. We're not going to legalize that. Weed, yes. Robbery, no. Strong arm robbery, definitely not. Basically. You know, not but, um... I think I, I thought I heard uh, Chicago did something where they were um, commuting sentences and they because they changed the way they dealt with um, drug offenders. But don't quote me on that. I, I'm still looking for the source of the of the of the idea. But I, I thought I heard it in the news somewhere where they were actually doing that. But don't quote me on that. Um, uh, I may have to get back to you on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so to segue into the next topic, one of the main reasons for marijuana usage 
is to deal with a person's emotional state or how they're feeling right now. A lot of people take marijuana because they're trying to escape depression. So, simple question, how do you manage depression when you're depressed? What do you do? How do you cope? Well, as somebody with depression, I haven't tried lead. Uh, <laughs> I know there's a bunch of weird heads out there probably saying, yeah, you should try it, bro. No, I don't think so. It's not my jam. Um, I've managed depression in a lot of ways. Um, my main way of managing depression is distracting myself. So I'll play copious amounts of video games. I'll go to the gym. I'll do anything but think about my depression. Like when my mom passed away in 2012, the years following that, when Christmas time came around, it was the roughest time of my life. And I literally had to distract myself. Otherwise I would think on it and I would obsess over it and I would just get more and more depressed and down the dumps. <clears throat> and so I found myself um, hanging out with friends, going to movies, um, and, and indulging in video games, you know, just doing whatever was necessary to distract myself from thinking about her and not having her anymore. You know, going to church, um, um, participating in our services and our different um, programs that we have, you know, whatever it takes to distract myself from the depression, that's what I would do. And I, I still actually practice that. This isn't something that I can just not do. So that's that's how I deal with it. I don't turn to drugs unless I got a headache or I'm sick or something. And then I want medication. But um, as far as depression, I don't I don't take medication for it. Fair answers. Nothing wrong with that. I, I'm not gonna say. Man, you should just roll that ish light, that ish smoke it just because you're feeling dead. No, we won't go that route specifically. Um, for me, how do I deal with depression? My answer is a little vague because I like to think most of the time I'm just not a overly depressed person. But on occasion when I do feel it, I do... I sleep, which is sometimes healthy, sometimes not. I don't oversleep and just like spend 18, 20 hours of sleep consecutively or anything ridiculous like that or any sleep aids, but just sometimes a good nap to kind of clear your head. You know, Rhino mentioned gaming. I mean, that's kind of a common thread here between the three of us. That was our thing for a little bit, you know? So old habits die hard. That's, that's one. Um, I, I had a, a, a lead foot phase at one point in time where I was, you know, <laughs> fast and furious. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily furious. I was a little fast and yeah. So not advocating for that either. Like I said, my answer, I shouldn't have said vague. It's a little muddled because I've tried a couple different things let that one go really quickly because that got pricey two tickets okay i'm done um <laughs> uh, right now as i've gotten old you know i've got a family now so that's absolutely a good way to help 
deal with depression. Just spend time with them. It's hard to be around these kids sometimes and be depressed because they are characters. As best way to put it, they are just characters, man. And I can't help but have your spirits lifted. You know, fortunately, my wife's a good sounding board. Sometimes, if I need to say some stuff, get some stuff off my chest, and she'll hear it, receive it bounce something back to me to give me a perspective other things she just kind of let roll off her back and okay you good cool um what else uh you know i've never been one to partake in copious amounts of uh drugs and alcohol so i can't really say that i've done that a ton tried it but it learn pretty quickly yeah this ain't really my thing so eh. um i've one that was really good and i tend to lean back to on occasion is writing and it i'm not writing poems i'm not writing like songs or anything just literally writing you know whatever is in my head writing it down and then okay this is complete garbage (laughs) because i needed to get it out somehow it once it was on paper it's like okay this was completely foolish no one needs to see this or ever have it uh rear his ugly head again toss it shred it burn it whatever it's gone (laughs) um and oh how did I not miss this big glaring example here? This, this platform, you know, not necessarily the stuff that we do when we are have the hot now sign going, but before and after these sessions, man, this has been like some of the best therapy. Oh, I think, yeah, I've kind of going through my laundry list of ways of dealing with it but that's me okay so managing depression for me I believe that for for me managing depression is more preventive than actually doing things once I get depressed for, for me it's more about knowing how you can get depressed, knowing triggers that you have, and per, it's, it's like a sliding board, right? Like the bottom of the sliding board is depression. If you feel yourself sliding, then you need to stop yourself from sliding. Like, and you need to do things to prevent yourself from getting your behind on that sliding board in the first place. Now, some of the things that I do, uh, music is, music is always an escape. That, that always cheers me up, brings me back. Like Terrence mentioned, mentioned, conversations between us. You know, being around people, not just everybody, <laughs> you know, not just not everybody. people, the population, but, you know, your people, you know, people that are close to you, people who you can stand for an extended period of time. Everybody ain't on that list, but, you know, right. <laughs> people you can stand for an extended period of time. You know, and they'll they'll 
raise your spirits doing something that you enjoy not doing something that we enjoy or that the group enjoys do something that you the individual enjoy take time for yourself be enjoy your own company at times uh one for me be creative create something make something do something learn something that you didn't know before even if it's as simple as a new word or, or even if it's like watching home improvement videos like I don't have none of them tools but if I ever had to lay drywall I would know how to do it <laughs> you know? If I had some drywall, some drywall screws, and a, <laughs> right. and a and a drywall gun, I would be I would be good, you know. <laughs> but and also, a lot of his mindset, like don't don't compare yourself to others. Don't try to live that social media lifestyle, you know, ball of ball of everything, you know. I'm going on big trips and spending spending mad dollars and throwing throwing Benjamins in the sky. Like, no, nah, catch the Benjamins out the sky, put them in your pocket. No, no time for that. <laughs> what is this money doing in the air? You know, put, it, put it in your pocket. <laughs> but to, to me, it's a, a, lot of, a lot of it is preventative. To know what your triggers are, what can make you down, what can take away your confidence and things like that and try your best to not just avoid them, but to battle it, like fight it, you know, like- Get ahead of it. Get ahead of it. But that's just me. So on this thought, like, what are some things that y'all do to like possibly get ahead of your depression? Uh for me to try and get ahead of it lately I've found myself because I've been doing a little bit more with these like meditations and uh, really trying to be cognizant of what I'm thinking and why I'm thinking it if I start feeling a certain way well, hold up wait a minute where did that come from why am I thinking about this and then trying to take a moment right there and that beat and catch it and like redirect figure out why my thoughts shifted to that pattern and start thinking in a different direction um being preventative also sometimes includes the things that you were talking about doing something that i'm into doing something that i enjoy whether it's you know watching you know good old wrestling show or taking a little time to catch up on a game you know like see who who's uh playing tonight uh fan well not fancy but uh preseason games are going on so keeping up with sports is a good one um i can admit there was a point in time that i even as a way to get ahead of stuff i would go for a walk i won't say i went jogging but you know just go for a walk and just kind of do a loop around the neighborhood and turn a block as me and my homie used to say and come back and get your mind right we was, I was good um, 
don't know why I put that one down actually. That was actually a good idea. I need to put that in the corkboard somewhere and bring that one back to myself. Anyway, um, just getting ahead of things, getting ahead of that the depression cycle was certainly key and certainly a smart thing to do, but I wish I had more information, or not information, but more methods I use to get ahead of it, but again, I, I just try to stay, try and keep a good positive outlook. That's where I was going with most of that. My depression is it's, it's, it's kind of weird. <clears throat> I don't get depressed because oh, I lost $10 on the press. My depression is more of a, a mental illness that comes and goes at will. So I can't really prepare for it per se or get ahead of it. Um, actually, I, I can get ahead of it by reminding myself that um, when, well, I ask myself, how am I feeling right now? Am I, I'm not depressed, I'm not depressed. And um, it, it's, it's literally like that. Or sometimes I'll be on social media and one of my friends will be like, how are you guys today? No, really, how are you doing? Are you okay? Are you all right? And it'll cause me to stop and think because it can't sneak up on me. Um, so sometimes things can happen that'll trigger it. But um, I'm now at a place where I, um, I pretty much know when I'm there. And I know how to get myself out of it. Um, but, um, so I guess that's the best thing that I can do in terms of um, getting ahead of it. Um, and, and, and just knowing where I am and being aware of what's going on inside of me and inside of my mind. I really do need to find a good therapist. <laughs> I have so much that I need to unpack <laughs> and set in order and say, see? <laughs> and just to have them say, okay, Mr. Grant, this is what you need to do. But, um, um, and I'm trying not to go into all that right now, but my point is um, I deal with it by being aware that at any time I can slip into it and I got to be able to pull myself back out of it so that I'm not in it for six months. Um, I'm not in it for two years. I'm not in it for, you know, for too long a period of time. Um. <laughs> Awareness is key. I mean, that's a big thing, I think. So it really is. For being... I it's, it's it's a weird situation I have going on because it's like having um, mental uh, uh, health issues, but I'm hyper aware that I have this issue. And I kind of feel like that guy from Men in Black 3, I can see 
all of these different perspectives all at the same time. But um, I just got to really, really just take it one day at a time and, and make sure that um, when I'm starting to slip into it, pull myself back out of it before I get into deep. So that's, that's the best that I can do. <laughs> Well, that, that's fine. So, here's a uncomfortable segue. So, the self-deletion rate for men is four times the rate for women. Why the disparity? And what can be done about it? Okay, so my, my first thought was quite honestly two words and those two words are two words you'll you'll get this as soon as i said it do something (laughs) that constant kind of pressure to do something i feel has a lot to do with self-deletion rates and the disparity because if you think about it how often is that phrase or those words used to to women since your your question was about the disparity there's not a lot of that per se not in the same context it is there's this whole idea that you gotta fix it you gotta make it happen you got to get it done and push through and be able to do A through F and then H through uh, G through Z all with a smile on your face and not complain about anything. You know, we we're talking about things to do to get ahead of depression and things to do to deal with it. And if you're constantly carrying that kind of weight and that kind of pressure you know people all have a breaking point of sorts and unfortunately self-deletion is one of those things that turns into a viable answer it's really sad because men we we're it's like you said we're under a lot of pressure and the same way like I heard this lady talking and she was talking about you know her as a black female and she was talking about something that's really toxic that people don't think is toxic but it's toxic telling women you're a strong black woman and she's like I'm not strong <laughs> this this I, I'm not strong I if I don't have to be strong why do I have to be strong you know I, I'm a woman I, I have vulnerabilities and you know, et cetera et cetera and it's the same for men. You know, we're told to be tough. You better not cry, boy. I remember being told that. You better not cry, boy. But, you know, I was a kind of kid. I wore my feelings on my sleeves anyway. You know, it just is what it is. But I'm like, why do we force ourselves into this position to take on so much? Granted, we're tough and and we're resilient and we can deal with a lot. But, like you said, everybody has a breaking point. You know, everyone 
can only bear so much. A point comes when you got to step away and be like, hey, look, this is too much. This this is too much. I'm going to step away. Respect my decision to step away. Don't try to shame me because I'm stepping away. Don't try to call me a chump or, or, or whatever. You know, I'm just going to step away and, and, and get myself together and then I'll come back. Can can everybody respect that? You know, and and uh, we're just under this, so much intense pressure, and sometimes that pressure is self-imposed. It's self-imposed because we've been taught, no, you gotta be this, you gotta be that. You know, um, and I've been in positions where <laughs> I had to be the strong one. I, I had to be the one that that's not breaking. And and I held my place, you know. I stood up and I and I stood in my spot. But when it was all said and done, I had to sit down and just do the famous um, face palm. But uh, man, just that pressure, just that societal pressure to 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 man up. You hear it all the time, man up. And it's usually from people who don't know what it means to be a man. <laughs> what do you know? What do you know about manning up? <laughs> don't you man up? But um, mental illness is such a, a, a tricky thing. It's, it's kind of hard to pinpoint one single reason why uh, men delete themselves. But um, it's worth talking about anyway. It's worth sorting out, looking at the numbers, looking at the statistics, and trying to figure out. Because eventually we're going to have to come up with something to uh, to kind of even this thing out into uh, down to all to, to for little little. I'm sorry, I'm kind of losing my my words here, but. But it's good to talk about because the more we talk about it, um, the more our minds think about it, and the better we can, the easier it'll be for us to come up with the solution as a, as a society. That is, so it's worth talking about. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have an answer. So. One of the things that I feel is that early on in life, as a man, you're given a choice between two paths. I mean, you you get this choice early. You could either choose the path of expressing your feelings, but if you do that, no one will respect you as a man. If if you're looked at as being emotional, you lose the respect and then it's the opposite side where you don't show any emotion you gain the respect but you're like a walking time bomb and it's like those those are your two options right the choice between two bad decisions like that there's no both of them are terrible decisions and Sometimes it may take you 20, 30, 40, 50 years before you realize that there's actually an in-between somewhere in there. Like you can actually 
you know, be stoic, but actually talk about things from time to time. Like, that is actually an option. And it's, uh, like, it's easy to understand how someone gets there. If you can understand, if you keep putting air into a balloon, it will pop. If you keep adding pressure to a pressure cooker, it will burst. Like, it's not hard to imagine why someone will decide, you know what? Me, the the way the world is treating me and the way that I'm feeling about myself, I'd rather feel nothing than this. And it's sad, but you can empathize with it. Nothing sometimes feels better than pain. And I'm not encouraging anyone to do anything, but I can understand the 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 methodology the the methodology of if that's even a word uh, the method of thinking, right? I can understand how someone can get to that point. What I hope is that they would also see that it ain't all pain, right? Every moment isn't painful. That there's some good to offset the bad. There's some positive to offset the negative and I know that if if you get negative for an extended period of time you might not see that light you might not see that opportunity but I hope that I hope that each person in this situation has someone in their life to remind them of be here stay here you know stay in the game like you, you, you can't win if you ain't in the game and that's true And I, I'll, I'll even, I'm going to throw away that analogy because this ain't no game. This is life. Right. But you're I get winning, your point. You're winning if you're in it. <laughs> right. As long as you're not quitting, you're winning. <clears throat> I think about, I think about uh, Luke Perry. Luke Perry was an actor on 90210 and he was recently in a, in a new show on the CW that was doing good numbers. And he had a stroke and he passed away. I don't know why, but when he passed away and I heard that he was gone, that affected me. It affected me more than I expected. And I I wasn't necessarily a Luke Perry fan. Uh, he wasn't... If I saw him in person, I would not have fanboyed and oh, it's Luke Perry! I would not have done that. But when I heard that he passed away, it struck me deep, deeper than even when I heard Kobe passed away. You know, it, it just—you just never know what your absence is going to do to somebody. You know, I, we're watching each other, believe it or not. And when people check out, you have an effect. You really do whether you check out on purpose or whether it's sickness or whatever. I was just thinking about a a friend of mine's mother and uh, now both our mothers are are, are gone on and I can kind of I think I can feel his pain but oh my goodness when people check out you just never know how it's going to affect you. 
And again, I, I I can't say that I was a Luke Perry fan, but when I heard that he was gone, I was affected. I'm I'm driving home from work and I'm like, oh my goodness, no, Perry. I was wanting him to do something else first, you know. But you know, think of those that you're leaving behind. I was a little admittedly thrown when you first started because you know we've known each other for a long time i was like where is he going with this this because i i knew you were not a fan and it wasn't a big deal but then the light bulb happened as you made the turn like we are kind of all watching each other and you never know how losing somebody is going to affect you and that part really struck home with me because I identified with that in a different way. You know, you talked about losing your mom. I lost my dad. It's been years now. But when it happened, now, and for the record, he and I weren't like really close. We didn't have this wonderful bond or anything like that. I didn't grow up with him. I saw him twice as like a young early teen and not again until I was an adult but I saw him as an adult I was like 21 or so and then shortly after that he passed and I felt the way because on one hand I was like well at least I said what I needed to say to him but then I started feeling bad because I didn't get to grow beyond having said what I needed to say to him. Okay, well, air's cleared. Now what? Didn't get to have that. And it bothered, I mean, that didn't bother me as much as him just not being here bothered me. And I was going through that loss process and I kept wondering, why am I so bothered by this? It wasn't like we were that tight or that cool at that it I don't understand this so long story short it doesn't necessarily have to be a celebrity it can be somebody who has a biological tie to you or dare I say even somebody who's been sort of a mentor you know impactful figure within your life on any level you just never know what a person's loss could mean for you. Conversely, that also means you don't know what you not being here may mean to someone else. Right. So for sake of the not knowing how you are affecting someone else, be mindful of it. Now, now. And I feel like that's a valid statement in the sense that oftentimes people who have self-deleted have been known as having said, well, I didn't think, I don't think anyone would notice or miss me. You never know how true or how wrong you are about that. So two names come to mind when I think of this topic. I think 
Robin Williams, Anthony Bourdain. Mm. And the thing about them that to me is special is that you, me, anybody else looking from the outside would assume these guys are fine. They're living a good life. They have money. They're extremely talented. And they're living a life that most people would, would, you know, do just about anything to have. Like, Robin Williams was actor, comedian, you know, talented on so many different levels. You know, like, wasn't just an actor and a comedian. He was, like, top shelf on both levels, right? He was a top shelf actor, top shelf comedian. Anthony Bourdain got paid to visit foreign countries and eat delicacies. To, To travel and eat the best. That was his job. <laughs> and these two impressive guys still were in a mental state to the point where they would rather take their life or self-delete than live the life that they had. Like, to, to me, that shows that that feeling or that idea can happen to anybody. If it can happen to them, it can happen to me, it can happen to you, it can happen to anyone. So I know one part of questions was, what can we do about it? Take care of our mental health. You know, when we were were talking about depression, you know, watch yourself, ask yourself questions. You know, where am I? How am I? Like how Rhino was saying, how am I doing? And that's a real short answer, but you know, I feel that's kind of where it's going. And also look after each other. Ask the people that you care about, how are you doing? How are you? And mean it, you know, actually want to hear an answer, not just wanting them to say, I'm okay. Well, good. I'm glad you're okay. Let me tell you everything's wrong with me. You know, it's not like that. (laughs) But actually want them to talk about it. I want them to get it off their chest. Be an ear to your people. I will say, I feel like that's a two, uh, a double-sided thing, though. You want to check in with your people and make sure they're good. I'm going to add if someone asks you that question tell them because a lot of times we hide behind the oh I'm good I'm alright I'm making it just you know I'm getting by those all sound like adequate answers right it's not well no I'm actually not doing that well or I'm a little iffy today. You know, I I feel a little off. Something ain't quite sitting right with me. And, you know, I I get that sometimes it's hard to share those things. But we know, kind of like we've discussed on a couple of these topics, you know, 
I think you have an idea of the people around you who deserve to be there and who don't. And the ones who deserve to be there, you can let them know. Yeah, man, I'm feeling a little off today. Okay. Well, what's going on? Why are you feeling off? And then the conversation kind of grows from there. But that is absolutely, you know, I think the other half that needs to be mentioned just as equally. Because people, I think, are trying to do a better job of taking up that mantle of... so how are you hey man i just want to check in with my peoples how y'all doing let's do it kind of you know because i see those posts every once in a while on social media hey guys i'm just checking in with my people how y'all doing hit me up and people like and you know post a thumbs up or whatever but you were asked the question don't hold back Appreciate it, appreciate it, appreciate it. Okay, so just looking at what we've been doing, I think we've been going for a pretty decent amount of time. And I kind of enjoyed our discussion. I hope you all did too. But before we go, anybody have anything they want to add before we close? All right, well, in that case, Terrence, the floor is yours. Well, as always, when it's time to wrap these things up, I always try to extend an invite to our listeners, our audience, and I'm practicing what I preach. How y'all doing? Y'all feeling all right? Get my Erica Badu on a little bit. Let us know in the comments. How you doing? What's going on? What's good? What's popping? We've clearly told you how we're doing on sub-level, so please... Let us know. And as always, thank y'all for listening. Like, share, and subscribe. God bless you tonight. Deuce. Peace out, everybody. Peace.